Hello, Happy New Year. My name's Tommy Flanagan. I'm the editor of Faultline, and this is the Faultline podcast, which is the audio companion to our weekly B2B media and entertainment technology publication. And I'm excited to start the year by teasing that we have some plans for the Faultline podcast. We're hoping to get some guests on in the near future. So watch this space and hopefully we'll have some great content to share with you soon. Um, lots of other exciting things happening at Rethink as a whole as a company, um, which we'll share with you soon. Um, but in the meantime, I wanted to wet the whistle with some content from our archive of uh, uh, webinars and fireside chats, uh, starting with a recording from October 2021 with the venerable Dr. Abe Pellet, who should need no introduction, but of course this uh, recording that you're about to hear does have an introduction for those who haven't heard of him. And you know, Abe has since left his uh, position in Cinemedia and he, he's gone on to um, uh, be the chairman of uh, TeamViewer, which we'll talk about a bit in the in the recording. But um, a lot of what Abe said, it, it still rings true today, you know, and um, a lot of interesting insights and, you know, um, he, he's made heaps of money He's an industry legend, so just enjoy the next uh, 50 minutes or so of, of what Abe's got to say. Enjoy. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Faultline Fireside Chat. I'm Tommy Flanagan, the editor of Faultline, and I'm joined live today by Cinemedia Chairman Abe Pellet. How are you today, Abe? Good. Good to talk to you. Excellent. Will Thanks for be being here. my first live-side fire chat by Zoom. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so you shouldn't really need any introduction, Abe, but um, there might, you never know, be one or two people in the audience who have no idea who you are. I know it's highly unlikely, but um, for formality's sake, uh, Dr. Abe Pellard has been chairman of Cinemedia since 2018 when Premiere acquired and spun out the Cisco video business unit. He is also a partner at CyberCloud Ventures and a board director at Inmasat. And Abe has done some pretty awesome things over the years, including driving NDS to a $1 billion a year revenue business and ultimately then onto the $5 billion acquisition. And looking further back before the NDS days, Abe helped spearhead IBM's chess playing computer, Deep Blue, which laid the, the foundations for the Watson supercomputer that we know today. So, um, all right, before we get started. I just want to say, please don't be shy about using the um, Q&A function. There's uh, no such thing as a stupid question in my book. Um, so I'll be cherry, cherry picking the stupidest ones as we as we go along. And I've informed that there could be a heckler or maybe two in the audience today, which is great because Abe told me last week that he loves being heckled. So um, bring it on. Um, okay. All right. Great to have you here, Abe. So first of all, um, how have you been keeping busy during the pandemic? Well, uh, just a minor correction. I'm no longer board board of Inmarsat, which went private, Ooh. but I'm chairman of the board of TeamViewer, which is a went public. Uh, I've been since 2014 went public in Germany. So I'm chairman of TeamViewer. I have an investment in cybersecurity in Israel. Uh, chairman of Cinemedia, of course, which is a uh, a really interesting kind of second uh, round uh, and uh, it's uh, kind of uh, somebody told me that uh, 
second rounds never work. So I have to prove that they do. <laughs> Sorry about that. We must have had an old um, an old bio there. But, um... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but, I... You know, I think the pandemic. Uh, you know, obviously, you get a lot of Zoom videos. I I do think though that they. Uh, the effect is underestimated on the ability to really close business, especially new business. And in particular, I feel that engineering and, and tech is really dependent on what I call the friction of bright minds, people getting together, chatting informally, discussing things in the cafeteria over coffee. And, and you miss that. Uh, I miss that. Um, so um, I actually plan to start traveling again in June. So hopefully that will work. Brilliant, great. And yeah, there's been, as you, you alluded to, there's been a lot of um, fascinating trends over the past year that we've been tracking, certainly keeping me busy. So are there any specific shifts in behaviors or, or technology patterns that you've been keeping a, a particularly close eye on over the past year? Well, you know, I think that obviously the uh, pandemic has accelerated some technology trends uh, out of necessity, whether it's, you know, remote working or, you know, people uh, having a lot of time on their hands and therefore entertainment. TeamViewer, which is a company that supports remote work, has seen a 70% rise in our uh, subscription and, and engagement uh, but uh, I think some of these will continue uh, obviously uh, you know if we had uh, eight board meetings a year in person on, on TeamViewer we will now probably have only four or five instead of eight but I think uh, some of it will revert to the mean as they call uh, rather quickly because people do uh, appreciate and understand the fact that you know in-person interaction is just completely different and uh, and I know that a lot of companies are starting to say well you really have to come back into the office etc and uh, and so we'll see uh, there will be less travel there's no question about it but I think the the amount of how much less is probably exaggerated. Again, I think uh, some of the coming back to our media, some of the consumption will decline as people just have to, you know, work more, uh, make a living, be <laughs> away more. from home. <laughs> that's it. Great. All right. Now that's the um, that's the pandemic um, stuff out of the way. I want to slide into a little uh, section called Pellets Predictions. <laughs> so um rumor has it uh Abe, that you've got some quite strong opinions potentially p predictions on the the pay tv market in in sort of general so and and the future of pay tv well some would say that there is no future um so what are your, your kind of general views on, on this and, and where the market is heading for cable and satellite tv well you know, I think that uh, one of the things that always annoys me is to read that uh, pay TV is dead. When people actually watch more TV and pay more for TV than ever, the means of delivery are in obviously a ma massive transition. That transition is unequal across the world, depending on broadband and, and so on. 
And there's no question that uh, that transition to delivery over broadband is going to to uh, you know increase and and take over fundamentally. Uh, and uh, I think satellite providers that don't have a broadband play to the last mile are going to be challenged for sure. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, what people should note is that there has been a massive increase in original content production, probably a factor of five or six in the last uh, eight years or so. Uh, and that has its own challenge. I think it's obviously benefited content production all over the world as, as the giants like Netflix and Prime spend money all over the world producing that content. But one of my uh, observations is that while streaming is, is an amazing capability and uh, frees one from being, can see, you can see it any place, any time, anywhere in the world, uh, it play, will play havoc with rights, which have been traditionally uh, licensed by geographies. And the massive challenge that video has, video streaming has, is piracy. Because indeed, piracy has become a lot easier, a lot simpler, and will be increasingly prevalent as people make a lot of money from it. Uh, and I think it ultimately threatens the industry if we are not going to uh, effectively do something about it. And effectively is technological means, legislative means, uh, and uh, appropriate pricing uh, that makes it affordable to consumers. Um, and I think if that's given that a lot of that content production cost is put on the balance sheet of companies, uh, if you look at Netflix balance sheet has gone from 2 billion to probably 25 billion, uh, which means that they value the content that they have, <clears throat> the 25 billion. If House of Cards is going to be broadly available, uh, then you know that diminishes that that uh, capability. So my prediction is, first of all, that uh, virtual MPVDs. Uh, really, you have to ask yourself what's the raison d'être, because you either have a broadband capacity to the home and will ultimately be able to bundle the uh, streaming services into a unified search and uh, discovery, which today is completely, you know, uh, I, have, I subscribe to nine services and you can see some of the same content in multiple places. You never know where to find it. Uh, and it's not a valid consumer proposition, not to speak of uh, the cost of it, which is unaffordable. So I first of all predict that it will be rebundled. The people that can bundle it will be the traditional uh, pay TV operators that have that have uh, uh, broadband to the home and therefore have that ability. And you already can see that trend as on Xfinity you can get increasing things. Uh, and so I think that will be ultimately will shake itself out. Also, the fact that uh, you know there will be some streaming services that are must have, like in the old era in which you had to have HBO and you paid for that separately, or Showtime. There are a few of those ports, 
And so there will be Netflix and Disney Plus uh, and maybe another one. But everybody else will have to be bundled into packages because consumers cannot cannot pay $5.99, $10.99 for 10 services. Uh, and so it's like paying retail instead of paying a wholesale. The people that can bundle it have broadband capability, can therefore produce a single bill, uh, benefit from economies of scale and purchasing, and pass some of that on to consumers. So as we live through this transition, uh, some of these uh, people that offer the services uh, uh, benefit from the fact that there's just a lot of capital available. So they can burn, offer a subscription for $25 when it costs them, like Philo, when it costs them 40 for the content. Now, they cannot do that for too long. And prices indeed have been rising. Even YouTube TV is now $65. Not sure if they still make money on that $65, but uh, it is, uh, that's why I'm, I ultimately believe that broadband providers will be in the best position to bundle a bunch of streaming services, including must-see local content, uh, which is, you know, news, sports, uh, local culture content, local stations that will be uh, put in, plus some of these premium channels worldwide appeal like Netflix, HBO Max, perhaps, uh, Disney Plus for sure, uh, and so on. So I think we live in this transition in which these things will eventually be shaken out by uh, two, two things. One is consumer proposition, which has to be, you know, easy to consume, find what you want to see and, uh, and afford, be able to afford it because it's a mass proposition. The second is, the, uh, the fact that uh, broadband owners, which already make a lot of money on broadband, if they were to have the opportunity to bundle these things, especially telcos can get a second chance at getting this right. They don't have to buy content which they never knew how to do, uh, but they can simply benefit from all this content by providing a unified uh, consumer experience, a unified billing experience, uh, and search and discovery. Mm -hmm. And looking forward to where Cinemedia sits in that future. So, I, I, I so was, that, um, I was, I was sorry. I was just, just want to say that I was having a conversation with uh, an investor a few weeks back who had this idea that software companies have to re reinvent themselves every eighteen months, or they'll they'll die. And it's as simple as that. Which I think is probably more applicable to companies that are a bit smaller than than Cinemedia. But I want to ask you, Abe, how do you see Cinemedia inventing itself in say eighteen months to two years, if at all? Well, you know, we uh, bought uh, the business from Cisco in two thousand end of two thousand eighteen, really November. So, in you could say in two years. Uh, we have reinvented ourselves. Our main focus, in addition to kind of supporting our traditional customers, has been uh, the focus on over-the-top security and streaming piracy disruption, which I think is an existential threat. Uh, I think we have come up with innovative new ways to, to really identify the sources through intelligence, uh, very effective web crawling, and then disruption methodologies, uh, whether it's for OTT security, including watermarking and 
and uh, blocking or other methods. So this has been a major focus of ours. I believe it's an existential threat. I think some people that see what we do can't believe that it's true. So we still have a, a way. And uh, I think the fact that everything is growing, in my experience, when subscriptions are growing, people don't pay attention to piracy. But as it's starting to slow down, I think we're starting to see that, especially in sports. The second one is really, I think, advertising is going to change massively. Even at NDS, we thought that targeted advertising in linear TV is a critical technology. I think uh, 10 years almost have passed since we first introduced AdSmart with Sky. Sky is frankly still the only company that does uh, on scale make uh, targeted advertising on linear TV. Obviously, we now expand it to linear and over the top in a unified way. And uh, that has been our second uh, really critical thing. And the fact is that, you know, television advertising works, but uh, especially, uh, you know, on big audiences, but we don't, currently the data is not there. Whereas, you know, streaming advertising works, but the, the data and there is, is, is uh, for smaller audiences at this point, because still the massive audiences of advertising is on linear. But they, uh, but they have a lot of data, which people confuse for the fact that does it work? And that comes from, you know, an advertising agency. We have the ability through our uh, understanding of both OTT and linear set-the-box to provide the data as well as the ability to target. So that has been our, our second focus, and we now have really projects on both of those things that uh, hopefully are going to be uh, real, real good uh, demonstration. The third area is, is uh, streaming, where we're focusing really on the back end rather than on the client device, because there are a lot of client devices now, so you know it's not anymore the set-top box play on the back end, where our key is really aggregation, the ability to easily aggregate uh, multiple streaming devices by deep linking with the content so that you can do unified search and discovery uh, and uh, in a cost-effective manner uh, getting to uh, consumers across uh, in a unified way, hopefully across both OTT, if you just want to do it over the top, or if you already have, you know, a, a, um, a subscription uh, in, uh, for a satellite or cable, augmenting that as well. And, you know, Vodafone Giga TV is a great example. It goes to Apple TV, it goes to, to over-the-top devices, as well as to the Vodafone uh, boxes. Yes, in Israel is a classic example where you know the phone company owns it. They're going to move from satellite to broadband, and you know the the first time for the first time their services started adding subscribers. Once we have really, it goes on Apple TV, it goes on Android boxes, it goes on any device. Uh, so that's our uh, thing. I think reinventing yourself every 18 months is, is kind of an interesting concept. But, uh, and again, as I said, I chair uh, another software company. 
but yes, you have to constantly be ahead of the of the curve, and that's why kind of having a conviction where things will go and putting your money there, rather than putting a chip on every uh, number of the roulette table, that doesn't work since there is a zero zero. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the difference now is that you've got a a new CEO, of course, and I haven't had the pleasure of meeting or um, talking to Paul virtually uh, yet. But I'd be interested to hear your views, Abe, on the on the changing of the guard and what you think Paul will bring to the table. Because this did come as a, a big surprise for the industry, even here at Faultline, where we we very rarely comment on executive appointments. Well, look, I think Paul is an experienced CEO. Uh, Media is becoming. I mean, it's it's a big company. We have uh, over 3,000 people all over the world. I think he has, uh, at uh, Genesis, he has gone from, you know, serving a few large subscribers with, uh, with uh, you know, call center software to cloud-based providers serving it to a lot of smaller entities. He has gone through that transition of, uh, uh, moving from on-prem uh, big systems to cloud services and you know a lot of the things that i've just described whether it's advertising or uh, or piracy that's all media services from the cloud as a matter of fact we call that part cloud media cloud services so i think it brings both a wealth of experience as a ceo of a large company having grown it uh, and uh, some of the technological capability. He's moving to London, actually, in the beginning of June. I think doing this transition during the pandemic is is non-trivial, but uh, I think we had a good momentum. I think we have a great management team, so that has worked quite well. So, uh, yeah, definitely an interesting time to uh, to mix things up. I mean, initial impressions. Uh, here that Paul has kind of been brought in to first and foremost make Cinemedia more mainstream, more popular in the in the direct consumer streaming space and away space and away from uh, pay TV. But but um, how do you kind of get there without trimming off the fat, I suppose, and upsetting the traditional customers? I mean, um, your CTO Nick has um, has reassured me a couple of times that the shift away from the uh, monolithic systems towards the cloud and as a surface model isn't going to leave these traditional customers behind and, and in the dark. But I just have this feeling that there might be something more aggressive uh, in the pipeline. Do you agree? No, I think, uh, look, uh, you know, we have, uh, when we when we bought uh, the unit from Cisco, there was a lot of fat uh, and a lot of lack of focus. And uh, we've eliminated all that. I think at this point, we are uh, uh, quite uh, uh, trim and are investing a lot in the new things without uh, uh, affecting our support for current customers. And the evidence is we've renewed our contract with DirecTV. Uh, you know, we've. Uh, uh, renewed our contract with many of our customers uh, and part of the reason why we'll continue supporting them that some of these new technologies that we're developing whether it's uh, you know streaming or uh, piracy prevention or advertising we sell also to our current customers astro in malaysia is a perfect example where you know i think we're engaged with them on over the top security 
streaming, piracy prevention, on advertising, as well as enabling their current platform to uh, get uh, a lot of the over-the-top content through their broadband connection into their existing boxes. Uh, and as you know, Sky has always been a leader in this area and indeed has performed better than most, when almost all pay TV operators across the world because they early on embraced broadband, embraced the ability to get everything into the box as well as to over the top. So, and we have been part of that. So we have that capability. And, uh, you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Great. Okay. Before we move on to the uh, the next section, I'm just going to dip into the the audience Q and A here. There's a there's a great question here um, that says Dr. Pellet made his name in very secretive and walled garden companies such as NDS, with the world now driven by Fang, which have a much more developer focused open APIs, etc. Worldview. How does he see the companies he is associated with trying to adapt to this world? Well, uh, it's a good, it's it's really a good question. And our over the top uh, that we announced in Emilia Go uh, will all have, has all open APIs. It's intended to work with other capabilities, whether, you know, uh, you don't have to take our advertising, you, you can work with uh, Freewheel or with anything else. So we are indeed adopting uh, some of those. I believe it's true that the monolithic systems of the big pay TV providers uh, are not applicable to a lot of the uh, smaller streaming companies. On the other hand, you know, I think we also have to be uh, cognizant of the fact that we are not our, our customer base that we need to serve is not 500,000 people that want to stream, you know, one channel or, or so they can go to YouTube but it's still the probably three to 500 entities that can be aggregators and can stream. I don't think we're going to chase somebody that has one channel that they want to stream. Okay, thanks, Abe. All right, we're going to move on to our, our fireside quickfire section now which um which produced some some funny results when we we practiced it last week i've even got some uh, some flashcards to make it look really authentic so abe um linear tv or spod well uh both <laughs> netflix or disney plus both excellent big screen or mobile well, big screen whenever you have it. iPhone or Android? Both. <laughs> Mac or Windows? Both. <laughs> football or American football? Well, one is soccer and one is football. Don't don't forget. <laughs> not here in not here in the UK. <laughs> Cinema or sofa? Look, cinema is a social experience, and uh, and therefore will always have a role, right? You know, and uh, you know maybe it's less, but cinemas are evolving, and therefore cinema is there to stay. You may be able to be served a meal while watching the the cinema, so they're transforming, but uh, it's going to be there. Yeah, great. 
Um, advertising or cybersecurity? Tough one, that. Well, again, it's both. Uh, I don't think. By the way, cybersecurity also implies to dealing with ad fraud. I mean, knowing who is watching and actually be able to authenticate that is is quite valuable. Uh, not only for preventing uh, uh, stealing the content, but also knowing that it's not a bot uh, watching your ad. And finally, the big question, IBC or NAB? Look, I've been a big fan of IBC. I think IBC is a lot more focused, a lot more international. Uh, and uh, I hope that it comes back. Uh, I actually hope it comes back in December in the regular format instead of crazy maximum 30 people uh, uh, aggregating and so on. So it's better to do it a little later, but in the regular format because there is no substitute for people meeting, interacting, and exchanging views informally as well as formally. Great. Okay, that's our lot there. And uh, if you've got any um, quickfire questions, then put them in the, the Q&A and we'll ask them as we go along. These are just business cards, by the way. I had to find some use for them. <laughs> okay, one more for the, from the, um, the audience. We've got one here about um, RDK and Android TV. Pay TV, especially the big names, are exploring RDK and shying away from Android TV OpenStack. Cinemedia has started to support RDK as well. Do you think this will be a major threat to Google? So look, uh, you know, Android TV, Google obviously is giving it away for free. They're not in it for the middleware, they're in it for the data. Uh, and therefore, you know, if you follow my argument that telcos and pay TV operators can monetize, uh, you know, advertising, uh, actually in a very a good way, then giving away that ability uh, to Android is problematic. The second issue with Android is that uh, Android really evolves at the pace of phones, uh, which costs a lot more money than a, a kind of OTT device Android device uh, and while they've kind of relaxed they say well you know you need to get on the next version every three years and maybe you can stay on it longer the life of these uh, devices that uh, uh, people have is a lot longer uh, in uh, low-cost countries like uh, in Asia I think there is a differential of probably uh, $20 between an Android box and a more tailored uh, box. I'm not talking about necessarily of RDK. So RDK is, is really an attempt from an operator point of view to provide a platform that is neutral. It's basically open source. And, but therefore, the cost to integrate it is quite high. So Cinemedia has taken the view, hey, we know how to integrate it. We can provide an enterprise version, ERDK, which is already integrated and has a lot of the cloud services that support it, associated with it, including you know provisioning and telemetry and, and things that operators really value in order to run their service, as well as obviously advertising capability and so on. So 
I think it's being seriously evaluated. Obviously, it has a lot of uh, of deployment already in the United States. Uh, has to be available on cost-effective devices and uh, with appropriate uh, uh, integration services. So it will be a, a battle because it's hard to fight free. Although when you get Android TV, you find out it's not really free. You still have to do deal with integration and so on. At this point, uh, Cinemedia is going to is supporting both. And it's really a customer choice. Um, there are restrictions that the operators can put, especially larger ones on, on Android TV in terms of uh, returning data. Uh, so it's, I would say it's a transition uh, uh, and like often there's not, like you asked me about Mac and Windows, it's not going to be winner take all. Definitely, yeah. That, that section worked a lot better than I expected it to. <laughs> So I want to get a little, more, little bit more um, uh, Cinemedia-centric uh, now, Abe. I mean, anyone who listens to the, the Faultline podcast, I'm not sure if you do, Abe, but anyone who does will already know this. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, a colleague asked me why it is that we kind of seldom criticize Cinemedia when so many vendors um, who, are, who are similar competitors and partners get, get the harsh but fair Faultline treatment. And I said... Simply, it's because the company's got this really great balance between history and, and innovation in all the all the right areas, and it's got this team that, that communicates with um, people like me and my team um, really well, which is invaluable. But that's not to say that we haven't been cynical about certain moves because we have. But I'm fascinated to know, Abe, what kind of criticism you feed back to the executive team, or do you leave the constructive criticism to, to others in your role? <laughs> Well, you know, I, people that know me know that I'm, I'm, uh, I don't uh, pass over uh, things that I feel are wrong easily and can be quite uh, straight on that. So, you know, I feel that, uh, you know, we, the pandemic has actually uh, hurt our ability to uh, put some of the innovations that we have into the marketplace because making a, you know, kind of saying, well, you have a new way to monetize uh, advertising, explaining that behind the video and so on is, is much harder. It's a strategic sale at the highest level. Um, it requires them to figure out how do they sell the advertising and, and, and so on. I think the same thing was, uh, disrupting uh, uh, streaming uh, piracy. Uh, you know, you kind of have to show it in action, which by the way, we've been able to show. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I'm always impatient. I think we don't move fast enough. Uh, and therefore, um, but I do spend a lot of time on the, tech, on the technology people in, in Cinemedia, uh, especially on the two areas that I'm passionate about. One is streaming piracy and the other one is is advertising. I think we have a, you know, a new uh, a approach, which I think we haven't yet discussed in any detail, but, you know, it really will go complementary with Cinemedia Go. And that is, I see a major rebalancing between, in computing power, between the endpoint, the edge, and the cloud. So, 
you know, there was, uh, and if you think about one-way distribution, you had to have a lot of computing power in the set-top box, obviously. Uh, in two-way distribution, in in an ultimate thing, you can say, well, you don't need anything in, in the device, and it can all be in the cloud. That turns out to be too expensive. Uh, so that rebalance, so some of it has to be in the edge in order to deal with latency and and uh, you know you don't want to hear about the goal two minutes after it was uh, 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 scored. Uh, so we have a fundamental rethinking of that rebalancing that I think can revolutionize the uh, endpoint device to make it rather almost non-existent and everything being done between the edge and the cloud. And uh, it's innovation that I think we are, again, it's, uh, I think we are moving quickly, but maybe not quickly enough, uh, since that is a key uh, thing. So yeah, I'm, I, I would say I'm, uh, I'm critical, obviously. We, uh, when, when I look at our competition, our traditional competitors, I feel that in streaming piracy, we've simply taken a, a, a approach that is completely different. I'm not just telling you about it or maybe blocking an IP, which is useless because there are 50 other IPs set up just to show, show up immediately. We're taking a completely different approach coming from cybersecurity. So, you know, I feel pretty good about where we are. Great. And, and speaking of Cinemedia Go, when you announced this, back in March, um, we were uh, a little bit underwhelmed, I'd say, by the initial two services. Uh, Correctly the... so, by the way. <laughs> asking me about what I, what I was critical about. I, was, I wasn't uh, expecting agreement there. The <laughs> Go experiment, and uh, I said uh, to Nick, uh, Go experiment sounds like a junior science, uh, <laughs> high school science project. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that we haven't clarified enough where we are, partly because of what I just described that we haven't mm -hmm. talked about yet, which is what goes with Cinemedia Go and also the focus on more the openness and so on. Yeah, so it's supposed to kind of resemble what we think will be a full package suite by the end of this year, because those are the two initial services, weren't they? So how do you see Cinemedia Go looking uh, at the, the end of this year? What can we expect? Well, look, I think the focus of Cinemedia Go is two kinds of aggregators. One is aggregators that are content aggregators. So this would be, you know, a broadcast channel that has, you know, already four channels or and two of these broadcasters get together and they want to have a service, typically advertising supported, and they want to be able to stream it. It may end up on some, some aggregator or it may go direct to consumer. They already have started with it and they need pieces or they need to replace some of the pieces that they made at home kind of as they see that scale actually requires a professional uh, uh, quality system because uh, I always used to say that uh, building an editor, everybody can do. Maintaining it and keeping up with it, not everybody can do. So computers first started, everybody built their own editor because they said, well, I prefer it this way. But then, uh, you know, there aren't too many around. Uh, and the, so that's one category where I think we will sell piece parts of Cinemedia Go. 
and maybe eventually a bigger part of it. It's all backend uh, that supports a variety of clients and so on. And that has added value services like Clarissa and uh, perhaps Iris, uh, over the top streaming piracy uh, security. Um, but they come as individual pieces rather than, you know, you get the whole package. The second category is, is what I called before the aggregators, which are the really people that will aggregate those services for a consumer on their probably telcos or even current pay TV operators over cable uh, that uh, decide to offer services like that, probably tier two or so on, which, uh, you know, they make 70% margin on broadband and they make 20% uh, margin on their video distribution because of the cost of content. Here they have an opportunity to reject that whole thing. So uh, we will have a suite for those people that want to do that. Again, you know, if they're already partly there, then they may buy pieces. But that's what we expect to have by the end of the year. Great. And um, one of the reasons that I wanted to, to drop in a few specific product names in is because when Cinemedia was first formed, you said to us that it's not about the product set, it's about the execution, which I think is quite kind of easy to say to an outsider like uh, me because we don't really get to see much of the execution happening behind closed doors so as we're we're um, approaching a few years later do you still see execution as the priority over product yeah listen uh, a great uh, product that doesn't work uh, <laughs> is not helpful and uh, i've always thought that uh, you know strategy uh, success is always, you know, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. And uh, I've always found that the strategy is the easy part, execution is the part where that uh, one has to be careful how you say these days, that separates the successful ones from the non-successful ones. Uh, but yeah, execution is critical. You know, when we came in, we had a lot of unhappy customers. I'm happy to say that we're, that we're almost prepared to move away. We have stabilized all that. Our system works. And uh, because it ultimately is judged by consumers who are very impatient with something that doesn't work. And while it's true that streaming has kind of gotten consumers a bit more tolerant, and, uh, and my grandson has said to me, uh, he calls me AB, he says, uh, Amy, why don't you download this thing instead of waiting for it to to down to stream? Uh, when you were we were, were having low quality bandwidth on one of our trips, so even he is well, he's obviously impatient. But uh, <laughs> consumers uh, expect things to work, and we shouldn't forget that. And I think that's also what will drive ultimately the transition we're going through. I mean, the fact that you have to, that you don't know what's on where, it's just abominable. Definitely, yeah. And speaking of execution, I just want to mention a, a great story that you once told to, uh, to us at Faultline, where on the day of securing a deal with a major broadcaster, they called you up on the phone and said that they just got an offer from a competitor that came in. 
uh, that they were offering it 30% cheaper than, than what you were offering. And and so they asked you how much you would give them off the contract and, and to which you shrugged and said something along the lines of, you know I can give you nothing. If you take this offer, it will mean that they will not support you properly. They will do a poor job and you will end up having to start again. And then the deal closed for the original bid price, which you obviously right. got. And then, um, so is that is that a way of executing business that you've kind of instilled in the current Cinemedia team? Well, at least in part of it, yes. Uh, no, but look, it, it's, uh, you have to sell value. You know, I, I don't believe in being commoditized. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea to participate in a commodity business. Uh, and uh, only the number one and perhaps number two in an area can make money. And, uh, and the only way to be number one is to provide value, provide quality, and innovation above all. Uh, and again, I'm going to quote a, a, a CEO of a major uh, company that said, Hey, uh, I'm really glad uh, Cinemedia is back uh, because in the six years before, we never had people come to us with new ideas to innovate our business, right? Selling it to the current business is just, you know, it's, yeah, you need it, but you have to come to people with, this is what will make your business better. And uh, this has always been our modus operandi. When we introduced the DVR or when we introduced targeted advertising or when we introduced uh, uh, hybrid boxes that got both broadband and uh, satellite or broadband and cable. Uh, we were among the first that introduced many of these things. And today we're thinking about, again, what are the threats to your business? Streaming piracy is an existential threat, which a lot of my our customers agree uh, that it can be uh, really big. On a recent uh, football game, I can say, um, in the UK, there were at least 300,000 people that watched it without paying. That's a big number. That's a big uh, number indeed, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're, we're heading back to the audience um, Q&A now, Abe. One uh, question here. Does Abe think that in moving so many functions and solutions into the cloud, the video broadcast industry is losing some of its identity and also the ability of companies to differentiate inside that environment? Uh, well, as I said, uh, it's really going to be a balance between cloud and edge, and that's where I think media is going to be different than, than standard applications. Video is really different, especially video to consumers at scale, uh, and therefore I think media companies will be able to uh, innovate in the sense of uh, offering a better service, lower latency, but above all, really the innovation as always has to be at the consumer experience level making that consumer experience first rate is absolutely critical it is not first rate today uh, in a lot of the uh, M mvpds or streaming or uh, any of these things uh, you know they uh, and that's where the innovation has to be in consumer choice and convenience. That has always been the key. The delivery method will change. You know, it will go from one-way satellite to two-way cable to 
streaming over broadband, eventually maybe telepathy. But you know what we deliver has is really where the innovation will happen. And then how to monetize it, which is where uh, you know advertising comes in, which is still going to be a critical element of of the industry. And for the first time, the operators have a chance to participate in it in addition to the content providers because targeting is something that they deliver and do. Mm -hmm. Great. The person who asked that question has a, a bit of a track record of uh, heckling, so that's quite a nice question, actually. Um, another from the, the audience, uh, Abe, what are your thoughts on using ACR to identify and fight piracy and ad fraud? ACR? ACR, I assume that means automatic content recognition. If the person wants to, to who asked that wants to clarify that, that would be great. But uh, in the meantime, we'll move to another one. Um, are you worried about Google being a target for antitrust remedies and being broken up? Would seeing Android and YouTube broken apart from Google be good for the pay TV market? Nobody should worry for somebody that makes $50 billion in profit. So I'm not worried. <laughs> Great answer. Okay, cool. All right, I think that's... Um... The I think, that, assuming that that was automatic content recognition. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think that uh, the, uh, the, uh, there are a multitude of methods that uh, need to be used to identify content that is pirated because, you know, people go to great lengths to remove the watermark, to remove the logo, and given today's video processing capability, it's, uh, I think the, the critical uh, element is that uh, people, you know, they, uh, it's really a commercial use that we're worried about. Now, people that want to make money by distributing that content uh, have to uh, advertise themselves and they have to offer these services. So it's kind of follow the money is the key to identifying these pilot networks and then uh, disrupting them. A content recognition is more, I would say, for social networks, which is more of a casual use of piracy that I think is, uh, you know, is going to be there, uh, but is not a threat necessarily to the pay uh, industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Before we um, before we wrap up, Abe, we've got one final question, which I think is is quite important. Will you be spending big on a party for everyone this year? Uh, well, I definitely hope so. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the, our party at the IBC has been one of the most. I mean, people in the industry have said this is you know a, a great venue to to find out what's going on in the industry, make new connections. Uh, and, uh, you know, we like to play hard and uh, work hard. And uh, you can do both at our party. Definitely. Yeah, fingers crossed for IBC. We're looking forward to it. Okay, all right. I think that's all we've um, we've got time for there. So so we'll wrap it up. I enjoyed that a lot. Thank you, Abe, for your for your time today. That was really Thank uh, interesting. And thanks for everyone for joining us. If you've got any follow up questions, then then please be in touch. And hopefully, we'll see you at a, a Cinemedia soiree very soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks. Bye.